It's seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? Sexy pants, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm fine, but I'm not sure you're talking to me if you're talking sexy in pants. No, I thought that would be a great segue in today's special on workplace harassment. 
or the finer points of having sex with Laura Linney and dying on top of her. He needed to get off. That's what he was doing. That's what he needed to perform like a circus animal. But that's me. <laughs> I mean, you can tell easily why this, why Bill Clinton was a big fan of this movie. <laughs> uh, might as well just go right off the bat, right? <laughs> why the fuck not? We can always circle back around. Whatever, you use everything anyway, so it's fine. I, I try not to waste any of the animal. Please, sir, try my liver. I eat only the best barley corn, just so my liver will be tender and wonderful to you. I'll just nip off and shoot myself. <laughs> oh, God. Don't worry, sir. I'll be very humane. What's eating you, Earthman? It may feel sometimes that we're at the restaurant at the end of America. <laughs> That's where we're sitting. Hot Black Destiato, if I got his name right, might have been on to a thing or two, taking a couple years off dead. Ah, I need to check that book out again. My fun book that I, I escape to when I'm not reading about the Koch brothers and how they run the world is uh, I'm, I'm going back through Good Omens. Oh, yeah, that's getting adapted with uh, David Tennant and the guy from Masters of Sex. I think it's coming out at the end of January on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. One of the many reasons why having Prime is still worth it. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that book, and we were reading it to Danzig the other night, and I was like, I want somebody to read this to me. So I used <laughs> my, my Audible credit, no sponsorship there. Actually, I have found out that you can, despite their no questions asked thing, I believe I have hit my limit of returning books. Yeah, that happened to me. Um, I was doing a trial thing or like a trial offer thing where it was like four ninety five a month for like the first couple of months with one of those Prime Day deals from a, about a year or so ago. And I forget how many how many credits I had stored up from that. But I did, I think I was doing like six books a month where I was just returning six books and getting six books like every month. And they finally went, you're going to have to call customer service. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Huh. Weird how we mentioned on Facebook that this was a thing that you and I do. And now that we both mentioned it, cop to it, and then made jokes about it, now it's a thing. We must have had our stuff, like our data must have been sold by Zook. He must have been like, ha, I gotcha. Bezos <laughs> is going to be my best friend now. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't even listen to the fucking episodes and give us those numbers. Um, <laughs> speaking of people who don't listen to the episodes, I had uh, somebody comment on the Facebook post from the Schoolhouse Scotch on the Rocks episode on the government shutdown, which has gotten, I, I don't want to give away the number of people that have said something about it because I want this to sound more impressive, but it has got, <laughs> you're learning my game. Don't give them actual, <laughs> don't give them actual numbers. Let them think of what it is in their head, but just yeah. always refer to it as bigly and beautiful. This is like, a hundred times more feedback than I generally get on an episode. A hundred percent more feedback. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent more feedback. Uh, or well, let's let's say eighty-seven percent. That sounds. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds more believable. <laughs> well, eighty-seven percent of people will believe anything you say if you put it in a statistical format. Sixty percent of the time, it works. Every time. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but thank you, dude, for. 
actually being one of the many, 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 many people. Far too numerous to enumerate. That has uh, spoken up on that. And if you are listening to this episode, I'm going to need some ideas of what people want to hear me do that sort of thing on. Yeah, so the schoolhouse scotch on the rocks is going to become a thing for the Psychosemantic cast. I think so. Better known as the Psychosemantic podcast. Sometimes known as the Cinema Psychosemanticops. <laughs> also known as the Psychosemantic or Cinema Psychosemantic cast. <laughs> I need to come up with a symbol like Prince had. And then <laughs> <laughs> just make it more confusing and complicated for anyone who would possibly find the show. Yep. Well, it's like Psychosemanticast is its nickname, and uh, Psychosemantic Podcast is on the birth certificate, <laughs> which Trump doesn't believe exists. But we are not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the corporation that is the United States of America. <laughs> Greatest corporation on earth, man. I need to go back and check the numbers, but I think you are the front runner in guest spots on this show that's because you can't shut me up and i keep pestering you like uh that bulldog spikes little buddy that yorkshire terrier that keeps running around <laughs> hey He's hey darren He's hey darren hey darren what are we gonna talk about dave darren darren what are we gonna talk about this movie <laughs> <laughs> and like the gruff spike i may pretend it's not exactly what i want <laughs> <laughs> If you're new to this show, you are getting a good example of what this show is all about. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. I'm repairing uh, one of my my wife's winter coats. Um, it's one of those like bubble kind of coats, and it got a tear in it. So I'm putting a Irishy kind of uh, Celtic knot patch on stitching it as we're talking. So oh, if I start spontaneously swearing for any reason, it's because I've just stitched into my own fingers. If anybody doesn't know, yes, this is Court from Cinema Psyops. <laughs> Am I that well known now that like you don't even have to introduce me? Do I go without introduction? Because if that's a th if that's the case, then in the podcasting world, I've been doing this too long. I mean, I it, I think it speaks to you being well known and the high caliber of guests that I get for this show. We will form a human life raft and drift through the sea of bullshit that is this flooding swamp. And <laughs> Dave saw it coming. I mean, it's it's a tale as old as time with government corruption, uh, you know, political marriages, people behind the scenes controlling things more than you know. We've, we've referenced The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and what was the Douglas Adams quote about anyone who's capable of making themselves become president or get elected to the office should not be allowed to do the job. Oh, that sounds about right. It's really strange though, because when I picked Dave, I was like, this will be a fun, lighthearted thing where we can just make fun of, you know, inept presidents being led around by their cabinet. We'll have a little bit of fun. I get like <laughs> partway through it. And then they're starting to like try and basically put all of their illegal criminal activity on the vice president and put it off on him and frame him for it. And I was like, holy shit, this is way more pertinent to, this time frame than what I ever thought it should have been. And I was like, by the time I finished the movie, I'm like, wow, we're going to have a lot to kind of dig into and make reference to what's happening in our current political climate. The only difference is in Dave, the vice president that is played by Sir Ben Kingsley is actually a decent guy, whereas Mike Pence couldn't be much further from 
what that particular character is in the in this movie. And if Mike Pence gets framed for a lot of stuff that Trump did, Trump's still going down for a lot of other things that Trump did, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I totally would not put it past Trump or Bannon or any of those guys to throw Pence under the bus. I mean, they probably have already set that up to happen with whatever's going on with Flynn, but it seems like they're so inept at what they're doing that they're not, you know, they're, they're still going to get busted on it. I didn't have that hope even, what, four months ago? I can't remember what it was, but it was like, a bunch of things started coming out on the investigations and there was a bunch of things being made public record and the Democrats took the house. And I think we were talking about a month or two ago and I'm like, dude, I'm finally starting to feel like maybe things will get straightened out. Like maybe there should be a chance to have hope again. But until that point, it was just dark times over here in the Styops house. Very dark times. And chewing Zoloft and other antidepressants <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Eating them like a, from a Pez dispenser. The nothing is spreading across the land. Because people have begun to lose their hopes and forget their dreams. So the nothing grows stronger. What is the nothing? It's the emptiness that's left. It is like a despair destroying this world. And I have been trying to help it because people who have no hopes are easy to control. And whoever has the control has the power. Yeah, I was listening to like Morrissey albums and going, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I was so depressed. <laughs> I started growing Robert Smith's hair just for no reason. <laughs> Left-handed cigarette intake. <laughs> Surprisingly grew. I didn't know that it could grow, but it did. Like Paul Ryan said, not really, but sounds like something Paul Ryan would say. If smoking was so bad for you, how come it cured salmon? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, he's he's retiring at 49, so he says, with full government pension, even though crutches like that are what are destroying America, according to him and his puppet masters at the Cato Institute and the Heritage Foundation. He is going to hide out, like on Fox News or a think tank, and then he's going to run for senator or governor of Wisconsin, I'll bet you. He's going to try to let the stink of his just letting Trump do whatever the fuck he wants for the last few years and come out and run for office again. I, th I think his I'm retiring to spend time with my family is bullshit. Although he did make himself a very wealthy man while fucking over so many people. So perhaps he is just going to be that douchebag that retires at 50. Well, I think that was pretty much his plan all <laughs> along because clearly doing actual governmental work was not something that he was ever interested in. <laughs> but we are not here to talk about that alt-right Eddie Munster person. We have already partially said that we are here to talk about Dave. 1993's Dave, directed by Ivan Reitman. You may know some of his films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, anybody who's ever seen Ghostbusters is probably familiar with Ivan Reitman's name. I'm so glad they made the choice for Kevin Klein after the other 
people that I heard were offered the role. Sigourney Weaver as Mrs. Mitchell. Uh, you'd already said Sir Ben Kingsley as Vice President Nance, who, fun fact, uh, Nance is the last name of FDR's Vice President, who said something along the lines of being Franklin Roosevelt's Vice President was the equivalent of carrying a bucket of warm piss or something like that. <laughs> Meaning he was completely useless other than that. Who else? Who, Laura Lenny, we said, as the... <laughs> Stroke inducing lay of the president. <laughs> yep. She was very worried. She was very worried. That's uh that's pretty much the only thing that her role was there for is to be a frat mat for the president, unfortunately. And it was kind of sad to see Laura Linney like that. Although I have to say, she has aged like a fine wine, because I think she actually does look better now than she did in this film. Nineties hair didn't help a lot of people out. 90s didn't help people for looking good at all, <laughs> just in general. There's not a lot of first ladies that I have found attractive, but Sigourney Weaver is one of them. <laughs> well, unless you have like a grandma fetish, you're not going to find a whole lot of the first ladies attractive, particularly <laughs> in film, because they seem to make them as matronly as possible. But uh, I think we pretty much named most of the... It, this movie has, you know, an all-star kind of cast that... Ivan Reitman would put together with Frank Langella as Bob, Bob Alexander. <laughs> A.K.A. Skeletor, because he's pretty much just doing Skeletor and Republican guys in this film. <laughs> this is one of the movies that this came out in 1993. So it was out and available by the time I started getting more interested in politics. You know, there was that lull after my childhood of going to protests and shit and then you know, I didn't do a whole lot in junior high. And then at the end of eighth grade, I, you know, we started that whatever teenagers can be angry about political punk band. And I started getting back into shit. School lunches suck. <laughs> Jocks are assholes. Um, shit, the dead Kennedys were writing songs like that in their 20s. So don't right. feel bad. But Dave, Dave is a movie that I hold near and dear to me. It was one of the first movies when I started typing out the list of, hey, I've got this podcast, will you come be on it sort of list that I had and still have to some degree, but it's a little bit more seat of our pants because right now there is a guy in the White House who announces the firing of his chief of staff and the removal of soldiers from, albeit an illegal war, still things like that. So it's it's hard to plan ahead too much right now. And it's kind of funny too because when I did your inaugural episode because i was on the first one and we did turk 182 at the time we were kind of going back and forth and i'm like well do we want to do dave or do we want to do this and i think it came down to i was buying turk 182 on dvd anyway i found a good price for it and dave was harder for me to get my hands on for us to both be able to see at the time and then it just worked out and i'm like all right but if you do dave i want on that in on that episode <laughs> was my caveat and then we ended up doing Turk 182. Other than some of the time specific political stuff that we talked about, there's a lot of good shit in there. I, I checked it out not long ago. Well, and what's really funny is the first couple of appearances that I had on this show, I made a bunch of different predictions where I'm like it's going to be like this, it's probably like this. This is probably happening. And then as we did later on shows, I even made references where I was like, "Hey, you remember when I said that this was the thing that was probably going to happen and then it happened?" <laughs> 
<laughs> so there's stuff in the episode one that we kind of set up for and talked about possibly and what we were expecting to have happen from a Trump presidency because it was prior to that. And it was one of those things where we were kind of talking about how the message of Turk 182 of where politicians can't control their own message. You can do what you want and you can take away the power from them by making them look ridiculous and parodying them and that comedy is like your best weapon. And we were kind of mentioning that, but I mean, like, look at what happened with SNL <laughs> since then. We've got someone with one of the most powerful jobs in America talking about prosecuting comedians for hurting his feelings. But Clarence, what about my agenda? All the things I wanted to accomplish as president. Well, that's the best part about not being president. You can still say the same stuff, build a wall, bring back coal, but you don't have to deal with the fact that all your ideas are impractical or insane. Wow, the Snyder's put everything into perspective. I've had an epiphany. I guess the world does need me to be president after all. Yeah, that was not the lesson at all. Could you get any more petty and pathetic? I don't think you can. I don't think it's physically possible for that to happen. He'll find it if there is. <laughs> yeah, if there's an all-new low that can be reached, Trump will get there. He's going to find the greatest lows, the deepest chasms of the darkest parts of the swamp <laughs> for him to dive into and swim around and, f like, bring up the muck and just make it look even worse. If there's a way to embarrass this nation, he's going to do it. And the only people that aren't embarrassed at this point are the ones that are down there in the muck with him. One of the first things I thought of in watching this movie was after uh, President Mitchell has his stroke while stroking with the lovely Laura Linney and Dave and with Ving Rames with hair, which how long how long uh, has it been since someone's seen Ving Rames with hair? I think it's this movie, right? I think he was he, I think he started shaving his head after this movie. Ving Rames is the big scary secret service guy that's really really nice and I, I mean we don't really need to we're probably going to talk mostly about politics with this i don't know who hasn't seen this movie especially if you're listening to this episode but i i stalled long enough to find the thread that i had lost if <laughs> if we could get one of those phones which i feel like they probably have in the white house but when dave is first in the uh the executive bedroom and he's walking around he picks up the phone and somebody says yes mr president if we could just give one of those to trump i think he might get distracted because he just wants people to say yes to him that's why he fires everybody and that's why he pays porn stars to have sex with him and that <laughs> that's why what he started with something like 30 advisors, 30 top-level advisors with, you know, Steve Bannon and Michael Flynn and other people that have been indicted or uh, sentenced to jail time. Uh, not that Steve Bannon has, but other people. So I bet you that's why Steve Bannon stayed out of jail. I bet you he flipped first. And they probably he... didn't even have to put pressure on him. He probably just came in with all the paperwork and was like, where do you need me to sign, guys? Whatever you want. <laughs> like, here you go. I'm going to Europe to help revitalize their Nazi movement. <laughs> and Mueller's all like, uh, you should probably stop traveling, Steve. No, no, it'll be fine. I'll, I'll cooperate. Whatever you want. Just <laughs> let me go bring about the 17th Reich. Wait. You guys are Nazis. Nine, we're not. Yes, you are. And that's like the worst fake German accent I've ever heard. Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller. Well, we were kind of talking about it and like the, the our current presidents need to 
constantly get validation. I don't know who it was, like if there was a specific White House aide that thought of this or how they got it figured out. But when he took his little trip overseas just after Christmas, they were like, no, we need to go dark on this trip to keep you safe, sir. They used his fear against him and they're like, we need no TV. You can't have the TV on. You can't be watching TV in Air Force One. You can't be tweeting from out from Air Force One because they can track you that way. We need you just to sit here quietly in the dark for the next 20 hours. Whoever <laughs> sold him on that might deserve a fucking medal of honor for that. Yeah. However, they talked him into it because like you saw how everything kind of improved for one day, like the stock market actually went back up and a bunch of other things kind of settled down and things seemed slightly less crazy all because they made him sit in timeout for 20 hours. I feel like they could just change the combination to his phone and that would buy us some time. Yeah, uh, but then when he finds out that that happened, then he'd be fuming, he'd be raging, he'd be fucking rage tweeting. And you know him, he would borrow somebody else's phone and log into his presidential account or some other stupid shit like that just so he could get like five more seconds of adoration so he can forget about the fact that he was never good enough for his daddy. And then he's just a big fucking mistake <laughs> who looks way more like his mother than he possibly should. It's disturbing. It looks like him in drag. It it reminded me of the short period of time where I was uh, photoshopping his face onto the queen's body. Right? <laughs> it's yeah, it, it is a little disturbing. And I want to know where's where's Baron? What happened to Baron? Has he been murdered? He's probably been quietly shipped away to some place where he can have some semblance of a normal life. And I'm pretty sure that Melania would love to be able to do that, too. She just wants away from all of this. But unfortunately, when she does disappear for minor surgery, a.k.a. another plastic surgery that she needs to go away for a couple of months, everybody speculates that maybe he killed her and got away with it. I mean, I feel like if he's ever going to try to kill somebody, he's going to do it before he leaves the White House. Or he probably already has, and somebody made that body disappear. I mean, you know, let's let's face it. He's he's probably done it. And how much how shocked would you be if you find out that the National Enquirer or Michael Cohen or somebody else fixed it in such a way that he slept with a porn star, got angry at her laughing at his little mushroom head, and, like, killed her, and then they made that go away? <laughs> I'm sure that that's out there somewhere. You shouldn't grab me. My mother grabbed me once. Once. Wasn't there a famous porn star that died in a car crash in the 80s? Possibly. I mean, there's a lot of famous porn stars from the 80s, but my my following of actual porn stars that exist, not really a thing. I only need porn for about five to ten minutes max, and then I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't avidly follow it if you catch what I'm, what I'm putting down here. <laughs> I think I found out who Chase Elaine was because of the Bloodhound Gang song. <laughs> yeah, probably most people's knowledge of Chasey Lane comes from that Bloodhound song. Yeah. Although she did have a pretty cool movie that I may have seen where aliens were possessing people's bodies and the only way to get rid of them was to make them have an orgasm. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll probably end yep. up covering that on Cinema PsyOps someday. <laughs> I think it was called Chasey Saves the World. <laughs> You're like, I think it's called that because I'm looking at my VHS tape I've had since the 90s. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. 
So, Dave, one of the themes that I feel like this movie really hammered home is it's the type of person you are before you get the power that really shows off in, in, a, in a president or an elected official. Yeah, that's a really good message in this film that really kind of drives home the predicament that we're in. You don't really see the medal of a man until they're given the kind of power that keeps them from having to be told no about things. And what someone actually does with it can be pretty amazing or pretty horrific. And it's interesting to see that the chief of staff guy that's played by Franklin Gala, who is basically just being Skeletor with a, you know, actual face on in this film. <laughs> Republican Skeletor might be might be a Photoshop job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? It's like saying Republican arch-villain, you know? It's just, you know. Yeah, that's true. Six six of one, half dozen of the other. But uh, when he's doing his thing where he's like, you know, I made this president. How dare you suggest that we let this actual vice president, whose position it's supposed to be, he's going to ruin all of my hard work and everything that I've done to unmake all of the wonderful things in society. I mean, the guy goes out of his way to veto a bill to keep homeless shelters from being a thing. Why would I want to <laughs> save a homeless shelter? Yeah. And what's really weird about that is if you pay attention, the actual president that uh, Kevin Klein plays before his uh, mid-stroke stroke, if you will, <laughs> he actually does say that he doesn't want to kill this bill. He wants the Congress to kill it. And that felt really fitting where he's like, I don't want to look like a schmuck. You have to look like a schmuck. That's what your job is. <laughs> And I feel like if you could be a fly on the room in the conversation with Paul Ryan and the other guys where he's like, I'm not going to give up on this wall. That'll make me look like a schmuck. I'm not going to look like a schmuck. You're going to look like schmucks. <laughs> like, it feels like an actual conversation that Trump would have, only not as eloquent. <laughs> I don't want to look like a douchebag. I cannot do a Trump impression. I, I really try, people. I really try, and I just can't do it. I don't know why I even try on air. Because it makes you want to vomit when you try. <laughs> yeah. I I can do the 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 body the mannerisms uh, uh, a lot better, but the voice just just isn't there. <laughs> but yeah, your, that's your why cords revolt. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to do an Alex Jones type. But the hundred and sixteenth Congress convened, and there's going to be a whole mess of other looking like a schmuck. That cannot be avoided. I feel like this shutdown anyway was just a way to buy Trump time for all the investigations because there's so many motions that have been set to put trials on hold as indefinitely as possible or until the government shutdown ends. And I feel like this is just another one of those tactics. At first, I thought it was just going to be a diversion because he's like, well, if I shut down the government and fuck up everybody's paychecks right before Christmas— that's all anybody will fucking talk about, and that'll that'll be perfect. That's all I need. But now, seeing a bunch of different reports of different lawsuits that are involving him, like the Allianz Clause one and all of the other ones, are getting, you know, basically to try and either run out the clock for whatever type of uh, statute of limitations that they might be able to do with them, or even possibly whatever it is to get it declared as a mistrial. I feel like that's what they're doing, and that's why a lot of these types of trials are getting put on hold or being put postponed indefinitely i think it's just basically another maneuver just to buy the guy just a little bit more time and hoping that he can do whatever and keep going with the presidency but i think it's gonna backfire huge i think it's gonna be a really big problem because what he just basically did was piss off 
every single incoming House of Representative that has been elected because they've just inherited a huge shitstorm. So if they weren't going to investigate something before, I feel like they're going to do it and double down on it now just to punish him. I think it could... Uh, I, I would be curious to see if there are some uh, inter-office emails. And that's that's one of the things. But if Trump wrote in an email what he tweets, he would probably have already been uh, brought up on charges for obstruction of justice. It's like people don't really know what to do with stuff being done so blatantly and so casually, at, like on Twitter and, and things like that. So if there was, okay, how can this benefit me? I wonder if that can add to any sort of obstruction of justice thing. I think if I think if nothing else, we're going to see that anything that you make public should become public record. Like if you're going to tweet out a plan or you tweet out a statement – even if you try to say that it's a parody thing or you're being li making light or making a joke or anything like that, if you state that you're doing something for a specific reason on public record, like with Twitter, where anybody can read it, I feel like that should be used against you, like, regardless. And unless it's obviously like a parody joking kind of thing. But that's not what Trump is doing. He's literally like, I fired Comey because of this. And then he tweets it. Yeah. And then he fucking says it in an interview. <laughs> You know, and it's like the guy has no filter, and I don't think he even realizes that the things he's doing are illegal. I think he honestly goes by that whole Nixon Frost interview where Nixon's like, What I'm saying is when the president does it, it's not illegal. That's <laughs> I think good. He honestly believes that. Yeah. It, well, he's never really faced any consequences from anything yet. I, <laughs> which is why he's probably even more terrified about a fully Democratic House of Representatives. Because all the people that were truly covering his ass, like Nunes and all of those different committees, they're gone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or they're overridden and shit's about to get really real for him. And the only way he can stop it, I believe, is with this government shutdown. But he can get vetoed on that, too. <laughs> you know, like he can veto a bill or whatever. But if they start getting super majorities, which eventually Republicans are going to cave. And this is all so far reflecting horribly on the Republicans and on Trump, I mean, I've, I've seen polls where, like, a good portion of the voters know that this shutdown is all about Trump. Him physically saying it, like, just looking right in the camera and, like, doing his reality TV horseshit where he's like, I'll proudly own it, you know, thinking that that's just going to be a great soundbite and it's not going to be a big deal and then it'll all go away. But what he doesn't realize is that, like, the American people saw that and people actually know that this is him that he's done it. And he totally did it. It was another one of those like last minute, let's just do this. We're going to force the border wall thing in because Ann Coulter made me feel bad. Yep. <laughs> Sean Hannity called me a wimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so much fun to see people in Fox news being like having to actually turn around and go against him because it's like the last bastion of places that he had where he could feel good about himself. You know, at some point, He's going to, I mean, like, what, what's, what's the fucking line that I'm like, I, I'm kind of looking for, but at, at some point this case is going to suicide itself. We're going to be fine. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how much more he can loathe himself and look for external validation and not get it constantly before he does something really drastic and bad. And I would so love to see him Bud Dwyer, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> like a tweeted video from his fucking, his fucking Twitter account of him just taking himself out. That would be like the most amazing thing 
ever. I would throw the biggest party of my life. <laughs> I would cash in my 401k or what's left of it after the last fucking drop in the market and just celebrate for a month. <laughs> they should just make the impeachment trial or the uh, the the perp walk pay-per-view and would pay for the entirety of the Mueller investigation and it's already paid for itself and making people have to pay for it would deny some people happiness. <laughs> well, that's why you have watch parties where you just fucking like rabbit it for somebody else. Like you, you, you can afford it. You pay for it and you rabbit it for the rest of us kind of deal. <laughs> but it, it, it could be our generation's moon landing where, Oh my God, it would break the, it would break the internet worse than Joe Bob's return on last drive-in. It was so just <laughs> every streaming site that offered it would crash. Oh, we can we can dream. It's good to have hope. That's one of the things that Dave gives people as taking over for the douchebag president. I don't know. I don't know why I keep trying to steer it back towards the movie. I just I like the movie a lot. No, but, I do too, uh, and you're not wrong to try and steer it back towards the film because that's basically what we're here to talk about. But let's let's kind of like dig into the parts of the film that equate to to nowadays really perfectly well. So the president gets elected, and he's violating campaign finance federal laws to do this. The actual bad guy president, and he's cohorting with he's colluding. There's collusion. <laughs> it's collusion, no collusion. It's not a crime, and if it's a crime, I didn't do it. And if I did it, it's not a crime. <laughs> yeah, but so his uh, chief of staff, played by Franklin Gella, and was it his press secretary involved in it too, or did he just he's just involved in the cover up afterwards? He's involved with Allen, uh, press press secretary Allen, uh, was just involved. He he knew about it. I don't know if he helped cover it up because I don't know how much a well, yeah, he helped them lie about it, but he didn't help it happen. Yeah, once the cover up itself is exposed. Going after him probably wouldn't do much, and he could probably make a deal. But so it was I, I didn't really pay too close attention to the scam this time around, but it had something to do with certain corporations or certain companies did major contributions to his campaign in return for kickbacks and some other legislation rammed through once he got reelected. And is this his second term or is this his first term that he's in office? Do you know? I think it is his second term because they weren't uh, – I don't know if they ever actually said, but I feel like if it wasn't his second term, they would have been talking about how is he going to get elected, reelected. Yeah, yeah, um, like it, it feels like this is his lame duck presidency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants. He's going to making speeches and – running out the clock. I mean, hopefully the marriage with Sigourney Weaver didn't tank and well, I guess he was fucking everybody, but you know, she seemed more tired than a fourth year first lady, you know? Yeah. And it, that's a really interesting thing about her character. It's because like a woman with that much principle and a woman with like that much belief in trying to do the right thing, how did she get hooked up with such an evil, vile man? Like, at one point in time, was the president that Dave is replacing actually a good man who was trying to make effective change? And then, like, like let's say he's 
they don't exist anymore. But like, let's say he's that rare unicorn of a moderate Republican when he first took office. And then he made this shady ass deal because he knew he wasn't going to get reelected and he had to get reelected because he doesn't want to be the one of the one term presidents. And this, so this shady, the shady ass deal is basically the Koch brothers got their hooks into him. I mean, that's basically what happened with the way that they explain this, this uh, deal that he made. The first savings national loan or whatever. Yeah, it was there was tied to a bank and some. Right, it was some crimes. kind of. Yeah, it was some kind of financial crime thing that they made disappear or they legislated the way out of to help them before it came to fruition. And they, they paid him to make that happen in campaign contributions or something. Federal election. Uh, campaign finance laws and yeah obstruction of justice trying to interfere with the investigation going into the influencing of government officials for high high profile campaign contributors and i don't know if anybody else is i'm really kind of obsessed with wanting to find out where that other 40 million dollars went from the inaugural fund yeah that's a big thing i mean we're talking Literally every stage of the Trump presidency has been some kind of con, has been some kind of weird way of bilking taxpayer money into coffers privately for the family. And I think they're not smart enough to do it in more than one way. I think the way that they've been doing it is the same way that they've been channeling funds since the Trump Foundation, which is why I think he's even more shaken up that that has come into fruition and that is being dissolved because all of the records on how things are done in the Trump administration or the the Trump foundation for that charity that has to be the template he's used for everything in the presidency because I don't believe any of them are smart enough to do anything else everybody else that was smarter and was better at being crooked got fired because he wanted to be the smartest person in the room is it that or did they get themselves fired so that they could get away from the ship and maybe try and find their way to a place without extradition because it sure feels like a lot of these people that are running away at this point are trying to get somewhere without extradition first. <laughs> it's po I mean, it is a good idea to swim as far of far away from a sinking ship as possible so you don't get sucked down by the vacuum that it makes when it finally goes under, right? Yeah, and if Kate Winslet would just make a little more fucking room on that raft that could easily fit five or six people, maybe Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have to die. That's all I'm saying. It was a long con to steal that valuable jewel so she could just throw it in the fucking ocean. But, you know, your heart will go on, so it's all good. Yep. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've talked about the main crime that they committed. Now, how major of a crime is it to impersonate the president of the United States? And how much of a conspiracy is it to have so many people involved in impersonating the president of the United States and replacing an ailing president to circumvent or as job would say circumvent the, <laughs> the 25th amendment now who's to say it hasn't happened well i'm pretty sure that that's something that could have happened i mean we've we've obviously had president like stand-ins for presidents to be able to be moved for safety reasons and stuff like that the film shows that that that's a thing that they've done you know and that they've done it before in the past and that's a hundred percent plausible and it's absolutely believable that they would use a stand-in for the president to have the president seem like he's moving back to where he should be so that he can, you know, climb on top of Laura Linney. Not her specifically, but like, you know, an aide or a White House aide, or, you know, your your Monica Lewinsky of the day. And does Dave predate that whole scandal or is that a, like, is that basically 
is that before the Clinton administration did that, or is it like right around the time that Clinton got busted with the whole star trial thing? This was, I, I don't know how long it took the movie to shoot, but it came out in May, 1993. Bill Clinton was inaugurated the first time in January of 93. So this was before all that stuff came to light. I think he has a long history of uh, impropriety with young ladies. Well, every man that gets into power at one point in time or another has probably had an impropriety with an underling. Whether or not it is as horrible as what happens in Dave or as unholy as what happened with President Clinton, because... Monica Lewinsky is a victim in this, this scenario. She's a very young, doe-eyed lady who got caught up in the mysticism of a very powerful man. It does happen. And that's kind of the same thing as like having a teacher seduce a student. It's just as underhanded. And in a lot of cases, that circumvents, or as Job would say, circumvents, <laughs> the, the ruling of consent for a lot of things. Like, you know, the age of consent kind of thing might be super low in a state but if you're in a place position like in like in nevada i know this from csi all the time in nevada like the age of consent is like super super low it's like like criminally low everywhere else like i think it's like 16 but if you're a person of authority over top of the person that you are having sexual congress with that that makes that law null and void and that makes it where they're they can't give consent because they're you know they're, they're an underling or they're under your power if you're a teacher or anything like that. And I know that because there was a CSI episode where a guy got busted and went to jail, even though it was quote unquote consensual in the eyes of the law for the age limit because he had a position of power. It, it, it got rid of that and it made it to where that was one of those things where like it almost makes it feel like the person couldn't say no. And I mean, who's going to tell the president they can't dip their, dip their wick in them? <laughs> you know, like, how is that going to happen? So that's, that's abuse, man. That's, that's, that's sexual assault. Yes. It may not seem that way. And the person may be in their mind, a willing participant, but with that position of authority, like how can you really refuse it? And how can you fully give consent? How? 22 year old intern working for a 49 year old second term president. Lewinsky said that the relationship took place between 1995 and 1997 and shit hit the fan in 1998. Well, and Ken Starr and all that stuff happened. And Clinton's not the first president to be caught dipping his wick somewhere where it doesn't belong. Bad back Jack Kennedy had been doing it for quite a long time. He had been stooping everything in sight. And I know that there's there's some speculation about him and Marilyn Monroe. And there's actual some, you know, accounts of like him having little like hideaway bungalow things that he would put her in and be able to go to and stuff like that. So this tradition has been going on for a while. And honestly, I wouldn't be all that shocked if we find out that other presidents throughout the the course of our history have been doing the same thing. Some of them with their slaves, like Jefferson. Right. (laughs) Well, it's good to see that regardless of how we may feel about our founding fathers and all of the good things that a lot of them did, they were still slave owners. They were still not exactly anything more than just deeply flawed human beings everything that they were fighting for is set up for people like them who owned other people and that's not necessarily a good thing unless you were a rich white guy 
maybe your opinion didn't matter. Well, and let's kind of like just kind of pull back the curtain even further. Like the only president I would probably be super shocked to find out was stooping somebody else behind the back of their significant other is Abraham Lincoln. That's the only one that I can kind of think would probably not do that because I just have this feeling like he wasn't a very sexual man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't read any of the things, but do you know of the log cabin Republican movement? I'm I know the term, but I'm not familiar with what it represents or anything. So this gives you a perfect opportunity to educate myself and anyone in your audience that doesn't know. Okay, so if if I'm not mistaken, the log cabin, basically a coalition of LGBTQ conservatives. Okay, yes, that I'm familiar with. I just didn't realize that those two terms like that that term corresponded with the conservative movement for LGBTQ plus. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it sort of gets its name, and I, and again, I doubt I have many Republican listeners, but I do have a lot of smart listeners. I, I would say everyone who listens to this show is a genius. But <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> the log cabin refers to the long rumor that Lincoln himself was gay or bisexual and had a special relationship with one of his Secret Service people or his uh, man secretary. Where is the biopic with that? I want to see someone dressed up like Lincoln, giving some broke back mountain eyes to a secretary or a secret service agent. Meanwhile, his wife is still giving eyes back to him. And they're all giving these knowing glances of this thruple that is too far ahead of its time. And no one would understand it. (laughs) Yes. I just wanted to, I just wanted to use the word thruple. It was an excuse. Hey, go for it, man. That's what I am here for. That <laughs> You're here for thruples? I hope your wife's aware of that. I, she is more dude-like when noticing a hot lady than I am. She'll <laughs> she'll she'll fan her uh fan her flames. But anyway, uh <laughs> Yeah, the the and I'll also uh, and there, this is again another one of those in the political lores with circumstantial evidence. But there was also a line of thought that Eleanor Roosevelt was a very happy lesbian with an understanding. Again, I want to see a biopic for that. So, I don't know. I maybe maybe that'll be maybe one of those or both of those will be on an upcoming schoolhouse scotch on the rocks. Who knows? Maybe we found found it unless somebody tells me they want to hear about something else. But <laughs> well, that's definitely something that would pique my interest if that were to become a schoolhouse scotch on the rocks. All right. The, the speculation about the sexual proclivities of presidential and first ladies of the past. For instance, we know that Nancy Reagan really enjoyed giving oral pleasure before that was even a cool thing to do back in the late 50s such. There was something in a bio like about her about that I remember hearing Ooh. on a local like a local radio show like one of those like uh, morning zoo type radio shows that plays out here. It's a big influence on my show. They were talking about that how it's like this book had just come out and they were somebody was telling a story about Nancy really enjoying giving a knob job to somebody in the back of a car on a road trip to Vegas from LA. And this is prior to her even dating Ronnie. Oh, wow. (laughs) 
That explains why Ronnie was always a very happy man. He's, <laughs> he's always sort of shaking a little bit from post, yeah. <laughs> Post-coital post joy and an excessive amount of yeah. jelly babies. Or belly, <laughs> jelly bellies, or whatever the <laughs> hell he was he ate. Jelly babies is more my Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, few people knew that when he was giving that Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall speech... He was getting the police academy pulpit treatment. <laughs> yep. You knew exactly where I was going with that. Coincidentally, I believe that was an actual porn star that showed up in that movie for that. We're back full circle. <laughs> we, we are. We are back full circle. But as you see, we have re railed that train. Let's take a quick break and play a promo or so for a podcast that has a lot better time staying on the rails and we will be right back did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. it's a dead issue man don't don't push it cinema psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject no one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops.
So. That show is trippy cool. I've only seen a few episodes of it, but what I've seen of Adventure Time, I was really impressed with. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that that show. Uh, I think we're collectively in the sixth season, our family. Because, um, yeah, they, they watch it without me, so sometimes I have to go play catch-up. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty cool. You know, the I love that Tom Kenny is the Ice, ice King. Yeah, he's got quite a voice for voice acting he's pretty incredible yeah it's it's pretty rad and i think there's something along the lines of that's like post-apocalyptic earth or some shit yeah it's a much darker thing when you go back and actually pay attention to some of the things that they're saying it's a much more dark and twisted show than the bright cheery atmosphere of a candy land lets on i would encourage you to go further with the show yeah, like I said, I've only seen a few episodes here and there, but what I saw of it, I was quite impressed. Let's I think they got them all on Hulu right now. We catch up on Cartoon Network, Turner Classic Movies, and my hockey games, and that's pretty much why we have Hulu. We are back with Adventure Time Hockey Talk. <laughs> um... <laughs> to the listener with the avid ear that may or may not recognize editing, they may realize that you and I actually didn't go anywhere. Perhaps. Or maybe one of us just had to relieve himself of a little bit of pressure on his bladder. Yeah. Under pressure. <laughs> My bladder was under as much pressure as the Trump administration when it's announced that Michael Cohen's cell phone pinged off some cell phone towers in Prague around the time that the Steele dossier said he was there helping cover up the Trump campaign's involvement with Russian interference in the 2016 election. Okay, now I've seen that on the new civil rights movement thing that pops up on my news feed, Mm -hmm. but I also saw that that was done in Rolling Stone. So, I mean, Rolling Stone has done some investigative journalism in the past that has turned out to be, you know, solid and reliable. So... This doesn't feel like, you know, your liberal rag trying to make it sound like something more than what it is. This feels an awful lot like someone got caught with their hand in the cookie jar and then is now pointing it out and is trying to get a better deal than what he previously had. Yeah, I mean, I I think that because, yeah, the, the lawyer of his that said he has never been never been to Prague, he's never even been to the Czech Republic. I think he said something like, I've said a million times that he hasn't gone, and this is a million and one. But he also hasn't been part of the Cohen legal defense team. I think since uh, <laughs> he, he gave up and said, okay, what do I have to do to stay out of prison as much as possible? I, I yeah. think this is what, what the, there was the... A lot of this is, con- obviously, this is a lot of conjecture on reports of things. I, I I am happy to have seen that the couple new of the, in, uh, a couple of the new incoming Congress people have said that if the Trump administration tries to disappear the Mueller report, which they can do, Congress will subpoena it and him and televise the... Mueller testifying for Congress or to Congress. So that was kind of cool. But well, and a lot of the a lot of the stuff we took I talked about it towards the beginning of the show and it's something to kind of bring back at this juncture too 
a lot of the indictments and a lot of the sentencing stuff has very specific verbiage and very specific parts to the documents that are now a part of public record that already proves that Trump has been complicit for illegal felony campaign finance violations. That's at least one crime that we know for sure that he's committed. So anything that he does from this point to try and stop the investigation, slow it down or do anything like that, like bury the report, automatically becomes obstruction of justice because we already have a lot of this stuff on public record. So Mueller already has himself pretty much insulated. Yes, they can bury the report. Yes, they can still do a lot of underhanded and horrible shit. But there are what I think I've referred to before when I was talking to a friend of mine through, you know, various like comment sections was like always feeling down that this investigation's not going to go anywhere and that we're just going to be saddled with this forever. I think I said something along the lines of there are breadcrumbs of the story that are there in all of those different filings and different uh, pieces of the sentencing and also the indictments of what has happened and what some of the people that have already been convicted and or sentenced, you know, what their involvement has been. And I mean, it's already obvious who individual one actually is, but there's a lot of stuff on public record about this particular individual one and what they've done and all of the crimes that they've committed. So even if you disappear everything else, there's still a matter of public record and it's just obstruction of justice from there. And you're basically committing one crime to try and cover up another. And you're basically stuck in, I don't want to call it a perjury trap, but it's an obstructionist trap. The more you try to block it and get rid of it, the more it's obvious you're committing crimes to cover up your crimes. It's like quicksand. Or... <laughs> Or something, yes. Uh, commonly referred to by TV lawyer Rudy Giuliani as a perjury trap. I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah. That's why you're the judge and I'm the law-talking guy. The lawyer. Right. Well, that has to do with the actual interviewing stuff. And the only people that have to worry about perjury traps are the people that are intending to lie. <laughs> I mean... If you tell them to the fullest of your recollection the truth that you have, that's not perjury. That's just you being ill-informed. Like if I say, Darren, I do not recall ever doing anything illegal with you. That's not necessarily perjury because I don't really remember us doing anything actually illegal. I still have the question of like, what is the legality or what is the illegal charge that you would be brought up on if it's proven that you're impersonating a president to get around the 25th Amendment? like is happening in this this particular movie. The reason that I'm asking that is because I would like to encourage someone that's at least somewhat rational to replace our current president. Well, <laughs> and see, at, go ahead. at least solidify a little bit of the craziness in this country, like getting rid of the tariffs. I was thinking about that when I was watching this. Can we have a Dave with Alec Baldwin? <laughs> right? Could that happen? Would anybody know the difference? <laughs> Can't we all just agree that it would be okay if he did that? Just enough for us to get our stock market to stabilize and some of the more horrific stuff to be taken care of. And then, I mean, it's not unheard of that President Trump could have a stroke because of his excessive drinking of Diet Coke and his ill habits for eating fast food. He could possibly have that happen. I'm not saying someone should engineer that. I'm just saying that that's a distinct possibility. And can we replace him Dave style with Alec Baldwin and get, you know, 
at least some semblance of presidency going. I mean, I I think the White House would be a happier place. I think Alec Baldwin has abused far fewer people in his lifetime. Well, they're all related to him, which the Trump family is used to, so that wouldn't be a big loss. Perfect. Yeah, he's emotionally abused his own daughter, which still makes him a horrible person, but it's at least a daughter, so if he's going after one of the daughters and being verbally abusive to them, at least it'll still be in the Trump clan and they've earned it. Yeah, and just leave, well, I don't know, but I feel like Tiffany Trump probably gets the most abuse. That's why they keep her locked up in Mike Pence's garage or where I don't wherever the fuck she is. <laughs> They're all hiding. I, I mean, what Ivanka and Jared went on vacation to Europe where they're being guarded by Secret Service people who are not getting paid because of the government shutdown. I don't know about you, but I stop trying so hard whenever I get past the part where I'm getting paid. Not trying to say that the Secret Service guys should just phone it in over there with Ivanka and Jared. I'm just saying, like, if I were in your situation and that were something that I would do, I'd hope you'd understand. Secret yeah. Service agents that are listening to this show. <laughs> and you, you TSA people who are also working and not getting paid. Treat them like you treat me every third or fourth time I fly. Because he has a mohawk. Pretend <laughs> like they have a mohawk. Now I want to see some alternative Darren photography of, <laughs> of the Trumps with mohawks. <laughs> the punk Trumps. <laughs> that might happen. Well, just to kind of get back to the whole conspiracy thing that we, we were on before this most recent tangent, yeah. I do kind of question, because there's so many people that are involved, how do they how do they actually cover it up? And how is it that Oliver Stone was right about at least one conspiracy, according <laughs> to this film? And that's another thing that I was wondering was, Bob Skeletor would have totally had Dave murdered, right? If his initial plan of sending the vice president to Africa, dumping all of their illegal shit on him, and then having the stroke come back. Like, he he totally would have just had Dave murdered, right? They paid off the maids and all those other poor people that nobody would believe, but he Dave would have been killed, right? And if this was the real... Yeah, like, let's say, and we'll, we'll play a thought experiment here. Let's say Republican Skeletor wins, okay, okay. in this scenario. Dave goes along with it. Dave doesn't pay attention. Dave is just happy being Dave and, you know, impersonating the president. He doesn't notice Sigourney Lever's legs and fall in love with her. He just kind of continues on down his path. And he's just going to kind of return to civil service life. He has way too much evidence and has too much proof of all of the wrongdoing, at least in this conspiracy of replacing a president with an impersonator to be able to be left alive. Like, there is no happy outcome for Dave if Republican Skeletor wins in this case. There's just, there's no way that he gets to live because there's there's no way that they would let that happen. And on top of that, all of the other people that got paid off, they're also going to start disappearing or mysteriously get shot with bullets from a, you know, from a umbrella that has like an irradiated poison tablet on it or something like that. And All these other people were going to get disappeared as well. Fall or out a Russian window. Right. Or they're, or they're going to be part of a more vast conspiracy where they're deep enough into it. I think the only person that knew about it that would actually survive and not end up getting killed would more than likely have to be the press secretary guy who went along with it in the first place. 
because he's too callow and weak-willed, and I think Republican Skeletor would like to have someone like that around. Yeah, and he wrote good speeches. So in this scenario, are you thinking that the Ving Rhames character would try and take a bullet for this Dave and and or try and keep him from getting killed and would end up getting killed trying to save Dave's life in that ultra really sad, not happy ending, like Manchurian Candidate style? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it, it would sort of be like Ving Rhames with hair and a sweater vest shows up like Schwarzenegger in Eraser. And he gets Dave and tries to protect him from that other creepy Secret Service guy that was in the hotel and was also the one Secret Service person guarding the the secret bunker hospital basement underneath the White House. I think that was a converted bunker. I think that was like a full-fledged actual old-school fallout shelter for the White House that they converted into the secret hotel room or, you know, hospital bed type area that was run by a nurse and they had him on life support down there. So they're keeping him. And the guy that's doing that is probably part of the conspiracy. And he's probably like, you know, really in deep with this, you know, Republican Skeletor guy anyway. And maybe he's considering running for office on top of this, using the fact that he was a secret service agent, you know, to kind of bolster national pride or whatever. And he'll run on like another populism type, uh, <laughs> type ticket where you know he's like i was a defender of the president and i was beside him every day and i saw what it takes to run a nation for its people and i took a bullet for him you know like this guy would be like the hero that would get propped up and like maybe he gets offered the vice presidency or would you offer the press secretary the vice presidency to keep him quiet that's probably more it you would probably move this the secret service guy up to a high cabinet position that you could get away with just to kind of like buy them off with the promise of more political power later. And you would have to move the press secretary guy up to your vice president that, uh, or you chief know, was of staff of maybe, or at least chief of staff. Yeah. He needs to move up and it needs to be a high enough position to where he can get some power. You know, like who does, who does Republican Skeletor bring in to be his, his vice president to get away with this? I mean, he did, he invited Ben Stein over to his, uh, impeachment watch party or whatever that he was having at, at his house. Oh uh, my gosh. Can we just talk about how, when the testimony started happening and how they cut away once he's, he gets implicated in the crimes. And then when they cut back, his house is completely empty and he's sitting there by himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a, a campaign sticker in his hands. Yeah. Just watching his whole world fall apart. Like I would love to be a fly on the wall whenever this kind of stuff is actually hitting for the Trump administration I would just love to see what had happened, like what it would be like to see this, the rats fleeing the sinking ship whenever that first testimony hits. Just be amazing to watch everyone just leave like around that time. They have <laughs> to know it's coming. Like, you know, as soon as Kellyanne Conway exits, all hope is lost. Like that's that's your linchpin. Like as soon as she's gone, because she's she's in it to win it here, man. She she knows that she's hopelessly lost. I wonder how many crimes she's committed. And is, is she in the midst of a fucking divorce and that's why her husband's lashing out because she <laughs> sold her soul for Trump, you know, and she's going to go to jail too and he wants nothing to do with it? Like, I want to know what's going on. I want the Bob Woodward investigative book in the behind the scenes stuff. I want the, the fucking Oliver Stone movie individual one. I want to know every little piece of drama whenever all the shit hits the fan, man. I just, I so want to know that. <laughs> I mean, if if he gets brought down, it'll be by 
some people that would probably be more inclined to let that information be the public record that it should be. Yeah, he's surrounded himself with enough sycophantic assholes that they're mostly the ones that have stuck with him this long or that he hasn't gotten rid of have been playing the game and at least know where to pucker up to get the orange stains around their lips. They know what to do for that. But how many of them are still gambling on the fact that maybe their crimes haven't been exposed? Because you know all the people that were involved in the transition team had some underhanded shady shit that they did. It's already been proven that the inauguration stuff had some underhanded shady shit. I mean, do we get to see Spicer even perp walk at some point? Like all the people that have fled earlier, do we get to see? see like this greatest hits of like people just being led down to, <laughs> you know, I remember like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was press secretary it, for three weeks. It, it'd be like, it'd be like one of those things where like you're watching the last part, like the, the return of the King of the Lord of the Rings films where there's like 50,000 endings where you get to watch all of these perp walks and you really have to go to the bathroom, but you just have to see it because you've made it this far. It's like watching the, the Bronco chase. People have already made the joke about who's going to drive the Bronco when the Bronco chase happens. Who would drive the Bronco, the white Bronco, for Trump? Scaramancho. He'll come back. Just <laughs> it's me, the Mooch! It's going to be Mooch or it's going to be Giuliani. One of the two. I got DT in the truck! <laughs> Get in! We got a whole caps, bunch of Paps Blue Ribbon on tap! He wants to see his daughter, man. I'm taking him to see Ivanka. Get in, Mr. President. We've got a Coke machine in the back. It already crushed up your Adderall. We're ready to go. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good to laugh again. <laughs> I know. That's when I picked this movie, that was my whole thing was I just wanted to have a movie that we could just poke fun at. Like, how much fun would it be? And who would we get to replace Trump? How would we do it? Like, that was my whole intention. And then it turned out that it was more poignant to shit that was actually happening. And I'm like, well, well, now what? Now we can talk about sad stuff again, but I'm really <laughs> glad that we've at least had some fun with the sad things that we've talked about, because if we don't laugh, we're just going to fucking cry at this point. Right? There's There's been enough of that. The thing that they have to worry about in the movie and in the real world is, I think, the first thing of all the possible crimes that are being explored and investigated are the campaign finance violations. The statute... Yeah, you can't cover that up. You can't really hide that. That a lot of at least where some of that money goes has to be part of public record. Right. Uh, the the timeline to prosecute those ends in twenty twenty one. So, if they run off the uh, sitting president can't be indicted thing, then it would have to be other things if. We are truly in the upside down and there is a re-election or reinstallation. The campaign finance violations would run out after that election. Unless, so, yeah. because there's some super secret stuff that they've been doing where they've been sealing documents and they've had federal grand jury meetings there where entire floors are sealed off. <laughs> now, just hear me out here. What if the indictment and stuff that they're doing is specifically set in such a way that it's already filed way before the statute of limitations will wear out. And so at that point, statute of limitations kind of gets rolled over. If you start being prosecuted for a crime, but it takes a while for justice to get there. If it's already been filed before the limitations roll 
like you know or end don't don't those stay in place until it works its way through the court system even if it's a sealed indictment that you know doesn't go into play until such and such a thing like for instance a president is removed from power you know I mean, like, I doesn't know. that feel like it's what it is i i definitely think those sealed indictments are something that are ready to just explode the moment trump is out of office or something like that i i don't think there's a time stamp on them there's a situation stamp on them well and also a lot of the other crimes that we're talking about some of the things that are starting to be pointed to actually being happening with the actual collusion or as we'd like to say conspiracy against the united states which is a fancy way of saying treason i mean yeah, there's no statute there's no statute of limitations on treason, is there not? So either way, the people involved in this are fucked. They're not getting out away from that. It's just that I think the other things are there to keep you afraid, keep you, and by you, I mean the president or whoever is involved with this. Like, they think, oh, well, they don't have anything on anything else because all they're pushing for is these campaign finance violations. And I think they're holding up one card and distracting him with that bright, flashy ace that they're holding up here. Going, see this, the Ace of Hearts? This is this is what we're going to get you on. Meanwhile, they have all other, like all four of the other aces in their other hand with the conspiracy against the United States that was being committed by the campaign. Right. Yeah. Those, the, the campaign finance violations were just the easiest and first to pretty much prove because it's just <laughs> this happened, that happened. And Trump already fucking go. admitted to it in interviews and tweets and all of other things. So. Yeah. And like you said, if he had done all of that stuff in emails, it would already, the case closed, it's already a thing. He he would have to resign already in disgrace. Or a normal president would. I don't know if Trump would, but a normal president would. Yeah. So that that pretty much calls it right there. Yeah, if, if there is a real sort of paper trail, a a sitting president trying to influence the attorney general and the head of the FBI in an investigation, Boom. But since it's on Twitter, it's taken less seriously. Well, and uh, I think this is going to be one of those things where we're going to see once it's on, you know, like the Internet is essentially the same thing. A tweet is the same thing as an email. It's just fewer characters. And I think it should be taken that way as well. It just so happens that that's not something the Supreme Court has had to decide before. This is so I know we, we talk about unprecedented times and we talk about like these are such historic history making moments and yes everything is historic everything's a history making moment because once it's passed it then moves into history but this is seriously we're sitting in the middle of our own sort of like constitutional crisis watergate moments here but the fact of the matter is all of the government that's involved with the republicans have been covering up and trying to hide it to try and use and consolidate what the cokes have been paying for forever to try and make the money back for the cooks and get them to where they're going to be happy because they're fucking up so bad right now on everything else. They're just trying to push through the things that they were bought and paid for to get pushed through so that the cooks don't have them off. I'm sure because they would probably do that. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly on along those lines. I was curious if you had seen the, the new line that the Cato Institute, which we spoke about on the cinema psychos, semantic ops, crossover episode the cato institute did a study on a decriminalization of marijuana that just came out this this past week i don't know if you've seen that no no i did not i i'm curious to see what's going to happen uh in the next coming while because they've 
as usual, libertarian stance is the drugs shouldn't be illegal, but the Koch brothers haven't really, you know, put their might behind that movement. But the, well, no, they didn't see a way that it could make them money. But if they're starting to look at a way that it can make them money, you know, by all the other people that have invested like a Constellation brands or whatever, then maybe they'll go for it, too. And they'll start making their own hemp oil using the same processes, but it'll make people sick. Right. <laughs> they'll destroy towns and poison the groundwaters for years and years and years. And I, they might be taking another step towards that because they are they have a history with the Cato Institute. And they are pushing a study. I saw it in Business Insider and one publication that I always forget is a right-wing publication until they publish an op-ed, The Hill. (laughs) I forget that they're a right-wing publication because they often will just do some mostly factual reporting. And when you're reporting on the way this government has been working, it's hard to spin it believably in the positive. But... There's the study that they did show, and I haven't read the whole study. I've just seen the report on the study is that decriminalization of marijuana would be more effective than the wall and all this other great financial benefit. So I'm curious to see if they start pulling the right wingers towards, well, it's a state's right or however they're going to do it. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, states' rights is like the big thing that libertarians are all about. They want to be able to do states' rights because if the states can make their own decisions, it's a lot easier to manipulate state government and control that. It costs significantly less. So that's why the people like the Cokes like states' rights because they just take over an entire state. They don't have to worry about taking over the entire country. And I think that's kind of their end game anyway, is just trying to eliminate centralized government so that they can have you know, plutocracy states so they can control whatever they live and let everybody else just kind of be miserable on their own or whatever. So one of the ways for them to be able to do that is keep, uh, you know, keep the the lefty liberals busy smoking the marijuana like they did in the 60s. And so we can keep going with our Vietnam War that's happening now. I think that's their big thing. They're like, let's let's marijuana worked really good in the 60s to keep the lefties down. Let's uh, let's bring it back. (laughs) Just pump up your drug supply. <laughs> uh, yeah, the kinky sex makes the world go around by the dead Kennedys, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so many of those people involved in drugs, they yeah. didn't know whether they were coming or going, yeah. and it was easy for us to sneak by a bunch of legislation without them even noticing. They never got too strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Two punk rockers should not be talking about and making references to a punk song. It's like this deep cut off of a, a compilation album from the Dead Kennedys, no less. I, I think this almost guarantees that either this conversation will be cut out or more likelihood you will hear that as the hidden track on this episode. Oh, yeah. Just play that at the end of the episode and just, yeah. But yes, yeah, Skeletor, Republican Skeletor. So Bill Mitchell is a Republican president. He's a 90s Republican president with what seems like a more Democrat-like vice president. And I don't know if that's why What when the vice president comes to him, he's like, dude, you are totally fucking me here. What's up? But in more diplomatic and Sir Ben Kingsley fashion. 
Yeah, um, and I love the way he delivers that line where he's like, we may not have seen eye to eye on politics all the time and our, our beliefs, but I've always respected you, Bill. I don't know why you're doing this to me. Why are you putting this on me? You know, I had nothing to do with this. And wouldn't that be interesting if they were forward thinking enough that this was actually a unity ticket and that's why it ended up that way, where he was a Republican long shot and, you know, his moderate beliefs were so moderate whenever he was supposed to be running that no other Republican would go with him. So he picked a more moderate Democrat and they were doing this thing where they were like, we're going to unite the nation. And that's how they became president and vice president. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing? <laughs> it, it could have been. I, I don't know if you noticed, but at the end when they're doing the little, the funeral inauguration swearing in montage with video clips and newsreels going, but they say that, you know, Vice President Nance is sworn in as the 45th president. And this movie was made in 1993. So. Yeah, I did catch that, that he was 45. And I'm like, why can't we have Sir Ben <laughs> Kingsley as our actual 45? What have we done wrong? Why are we in this dark timeline? <laughs> I don't care who you are and what your politics are. You can't say Ben Kingsley wouldn't be a better president. <laughs> Diplomatic scores already would go through the roof. They would be better than Obama. Sir Ben Kingsley is a diplomat. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. He would he would be able to talk just about anybody into just about anything, and he would get the best deals, the bigliest deals. The bigliest, best deals. What I think we already talked about, the a big theme or message from this movie is it's the type of person you are before you get the power that really shows you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And some people would be like Dave and he spends his life trying to make people happy and trying to find people jobs. And, or there's people like Don who spent his life trying to get more money and not paying people for jobs. <laughs> it's actually a pretty interesting idea. And I can't remember who it was that said it. But in that uh, documentary about the filmmaker Troy Duffy, that overnight, one of the closing things is they talk about how fame doesn't change a person. It only reveals who they are. And I think it's kind of the same thing with getting power, where if you get power, you were pretty much already that type of person that had compromised yourself to get that power. But how bad of a person you actually are is more revealed with how much power you actually gain. And it's very interesting that somebody like Dave, who is just handed pretty much all the power in the world, the very first thing that he wants to do is impress a girl. <laughs> he, falls, <laughs> he falls in love, and all he wants to do is just impress the first lady. And in, by doing that, he decides to save that homeless shelter that she blames him for closing, even though it wasn't him, it was Republican Skeletor. And so he goes through all of this budget balancing. And why have we never seen this before? Why not bring in accountants to balance the budgets? Why are all of these fucking senators who are benefiting financially from balancing these budgets? Why don't we have massive government audits like this? This would be incredible. Where they're just like, well, why are we paying these contractors if they're not delivering? Because they paid your campaign finance, sir. I mean, that's kind of the answer for a lot of this. We need yeah. to see somebody actually use the TV the way that Dave did in this scenario where everybody has to answer on camera as to why we can't withhold this money to save this homeless shelter 
and protect these homeless children. Like that's the kind of like reality TV president that we would need as someone that would game it that way. And I think it would fit perfectly if someone were to replace Trump. Please let that happen. Please let that happen in soon. And then start using that type of game, but in that kind of way where they actually do try and, you know, <laughs> change things for the better. And, you know, the joke that Jay Leno makes about it, he have one too many Happy Meals. That's perfect for this president, too. I mean, will someone please Dave the president? That's really the lesson I want to I want everyone to take away is, will someone please, for the love of all that is humanity, <laughs> Dave this president? Stop the goddamn hammering. Um... <laughs> the love of God and your own bodies, Dave this president. <laughs> yeah. I I think that would be nice. I think that would be fun. And some people are trying to do little things here and there. I was reading over the summer, Elizabeth Warren introduced a bill that would prevent Congress people from owning stocks or, you know, having to divest. That didn't go very far, did it? No, but that's definitely something that's on the docket that we they could use in the future saying... What is it that they're trying to hide that they don't want this to happen? Isn't it obvious that they're using this office for their own financial gain? That's the swamp. We're trying to drain it. Obviously, you don't want to vote for those people. And you'd have to get someone to make a promise on their campaign trail that they support something like that. Otherwise, they can't campaign. And it's a good place to start. I mean, that's where the opposition needs to actually start putting their game is by pointing out the corruption. Because the Republicans have been doing this forever, where they accuse everybody else of the thing that they're actually doing. Well, why not point out that that's the thing that they're actually doing and saying, okay, well, if you feel that that's what we're doing, let's legislate it and make it illegal. Just flip the game right on their head. I think that won't happen because I feel like even some of the Democratic congressmen and women are enjoying that. But well, some of the new socialist folks that are moving in, the Democratic socialists, are really starting to be upstarts and pointing out the hypocrisy and the money money making game that's been going on i feel like uh cortez if she keeps going the way that she is alexandra oscar cortez if she keeps doing the things that she's doing and making the public aware of the corruption at its levels as she's going through and experiencing it herself i think things are probably not going to be able to continue as business as usual and that that game that the distinguished gentleman was trying to expose will be more well known and maybe people will actually pay attention and do something about it now yeah, she's. I uh, can you imagine? Uh, she's twenty nine right now. Can you imagine six years from now when she's eligible eligible to run for president? Yes, I can, and I think it would be a wonderful world, and I hope I can make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like I may not agree one hundred percent with every single thing that she says or every single policy that she says. But I'll be damned if I can come up with a good argument as to why I don't agree with her. Like, I'm really like, I'm like, well, yeah, free college for everybody sounds great. But there's a lot of morons out there that, oh, wait, they, if they got education, maybe they wouldn't be morons. Okay, you got me there, Cortez. You got me there. Okay, um, free health care sounds great for everybody. But, like, what if somebody's really, really sick and, like, I, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't want their death on my hands. Sure. Um God damn it, woman. Why do you got to make so much sense? <laughs> I think that's why everybody's so scared of her that's on the opposition. Like, uh, what's her what's her face that was on The View that was, like, talking shit about her oh, a couple of weeks or months ago or whatever it was? Uh, 
Fucking McCain's daughter, Megan McCain, was doing it a oh, while ago, too. Oh, yeah, Megan McCain. And, yes. <laughs> and she was, like, trying to come up with all these things. She's like, no, you don't know how evil it is. And all of her co-hosts are like, wait, free college for everybody is evil how? Oh, because you you would have to pay for it. You don't want to help your fellow man. Yeah. Scumbag. <laughs> Pulling up the rope ladder, man. It's a cheesy metaphor, but that's just how I see it is people use all this government help and the government handouts to get higher up and then pull up the fucking rope. It's... Oh, yeah, that's that's their game. That's their whole thing. That's what they've been doing forever. And yeah, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is scaring the piss out of Tucker Carlton. She's scared as or Carlson, Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlton. Another guy that wears a bow tie. Um, <laughs> now I'm picturing Carlton from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but it's Tucker Carlson <laughs> doing Carlton's dances. Oh, I hope there's an animated thing of that. I'm not good at doing animate animated pictures yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to up your GIF game because that would be hilarious to just post Tucker Carlson's face over top of Carlton's dancing. I, I'm going to work on it. That's one of the things I'm I'm trying to up in the new year is my digital skills. But <laughs> I think we have oh, – where where else can we go with this conversation? I feel like we kind of wrapped it up nicely without even noticing. Yeah, I think the, the big takeaway that we had here was your soliloquy of it all with the, you know, power reveals who you really are as a person, which this film really kind of – demonstrates quite well and the lesson that i would really like everyone to take away from this is can we just day 45 please anyone please anyone something better anything just end the tariffs something i mean if nothing else just the tariffs can we just start there he's either lost his mind or he's lying or both or someone somewhere is convincing him that things have happened because i don't know if you saw on christmas eve i think it was he tweeted out that he just gave out a contract for 115 miles of border wall. Yeah, which, which would have been illegal at the time because all those facilities were shut down for him to be able to do anything like that, right? Right. And he also said that he plans on going to the groundbreaking of the border wall before the State of the Union address, which I don't know if you remember, but it's always somewhere around the last week of January. <laughs> How can you, well, in the desert, you could probably break ground in January. That could be possible. Possibly. <laughs> but, again, going back to the legalities of things, the funds have not been approved. The appropriations have not been studied. Unless it, may, it's maybe somebody's giving him special videos or he's going to go down there with uh, Don Jr. will have his little... <laughs> beach beach bucket and plastic shovel and i'll build it for you dad maybe then you'll appreciate me <laughs> see dad do you love me now dad i'm smart i can take care of things <laughs> i'm smart not like eric says it ain't the way i want it i can handle things i'm smart not like everybody says like dumb i'm smart and i want respect <laughs> Uh, 
All right, now I'm happy. We got more digs in uh, on the Trump kids. Now I'm now I'm happy. Now now we can now we can move yeah. on with the the moral of the story. All right. So yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody Dave 45. <laughs> somebody Dave 45. It's safer to feel some optimism, but there's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Um <laughs> There's there's still there's still a lot to do and we're going to see a bit of a change in the coming months. We're going to see how the next 2 years at least are going to point. Uh somebody please Dave 45. I think you if you should probably plug your wares before we <laughs> say farewell my friend in case there is someone who I didn't steal from your listenership that is listening <laughs> to this show. Okay, well, if you are a Secret Service agent who's looking to find me a lot easier than to actually do the Google search of Court PsyOps and find out what show I'm on, I'm a member of the Cinema PsyOps podcast. I'm the founding member. I'm the head honcho. I'm the guy who runs Barter Town there. So if you want to blame anything for the statements that have been made on this podcast by myself, that's where you're going to find me. Cinema PsyOps is a member of Legion Podcast Network, just like Darren's fabulous show here. We are located Cinema PsyOps is uh, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash PsyOps. We have a Facebook group. I'm Court PsyOps on Facebook. I am at Court underscore PsyOps on the Twitters. I am also on the Instagrams where I post photos of my cats laying on me all the goddamn time because that's like my whole thing in life is to just be happy that I have cats that love me. Uh, <laughs> I'm a happily married man too, but we also have pets, you know. But anyway, uh, that the Instagram is at Cinema PsyOps, I do believe, or if you just search Cinema PsyOps or Court PsyOps on Instagram, I'll pop up there too. Those are the places that you're going to be able to find me. It's all out there in the open. Every horrible opinion and awful thing I've ever said, it's all there. It's all in record. <laughs> Legionpodcast.com <laughs> forward slash cinema dash PsyOps. I also have the obsessive cinema discourse, which is going to be making a return. We just have to get the scheduling worked out. Hey. Uh, yeah, I think we've got it pretty much squared away where we're going to start trying to do like two episodes in one recording session and then one person goes away and edits one, one goes away and edits the other and then we're ready to go and we can get back to that semi-quarterly type release schedule thing or once a month that we were trying to do. Uh, <laughs> we failed miserably at it, but we've all had such weird busy lives and things that have come up. And also it's really hard to schedule that when one guy's in Australia, one guy's in England and the other guys smack dab in the middle in Omaha. <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't get any further away from each other without coming back around to being closer to the other. But it's it's more or less just an excuse for the three of us just to get together and bullshit and fawn over each other and flirt. As you've noticed, I tend to like to do on podcasts. I like to flirt flirt with my co-hosts. Hey, it it keeps marriages spicy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, also available on Legion Podcast Network, the Obsessive Cinema Discourse, so you can find it there as well. I recommend all of the shows on Legion Podcast Network, especially the psycho cast, which you're currently listening to. Good for you. Wise Thank decision. You. Yeah. I think I'm in the, <laughs> the other types section when, when Bo talks about the Legion Podcast Network. <laughs> we have you're, horror you're... and other types. Yeah, you're in a class all of unto yourself because you do politics, movies, political movies. Yeah. He has said I am the political wing or the political arm. Whichever you like. I like being both the wing and the arm. I am I don't know what creature has wings and arms, but I'm that. 
Um, gargoyle, you are uh, the Legion podcast gargoyle. You am... sit atop the world and look down upon it and judge it with your politics, movies, and political movies. Yep. But until then, until then, until we speak again, think about the type of person you can be when you become the doppelganger of the president of the United States. And I, I think your message is a lot better. Somebody please, Dave45. And don't forget to duck and cover. I think got a glam, I'm gonna make a stand, let's go!
damaged private property. Doesn't look like they'll ever get a job. It's about time we did something constructive with these people. We've got thousands of them here, too. They're crawling all over. The companies think it's time we all sit down, have a serious get-together, and start another war. The president, oh, he loves the idea. All those missiles streaming overhead to and fro, napalm, people running down the road, skin on fire. Soviets seem up for it. The Kremlin's been itching for the real thing for years. Want a little going away present for Mr. Brezhnev? Well, Afghanistan's no fun. So, what do you say? We don't even have to win this war. We just want to cut down on some of this excess population. Hello, just start up a draft. Draft as many of those people as you can. We'll call up every last youngster we can get our hands on and give them an hour or two to learn how to use an automatic rifle. Send them on their way. El Salvador, El Northern Ireland are a moderately repressive regime in South America. We'll just cook up a good Soviet threat story in the Middle East. We need that oil. Libya, all ready to go, and Colonel Gaddafi's hit squad didn't even show up. I tell you, that man is unreliable. The Russians had their finger on the button just like we did for that one. Now just think for a minute. We can make this war so big, so big. The more people we kill in this war, the more the economy will prosper. We can get rid of practically everybody on your... Uh,